Welcome to episode 46 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Monday the 3rd of February 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and this week we are bringing you the extended part two version of SEO audits with Aleda Solis. So you may have remembered a couple of episodes ago, we were joined by Aleda from Orienti, who talked us through, before her Search Norwich talk, her thoughts on SEO audits. And today we're going to bring you her full talk that she did with Search Norwich. As usual, you can see her slides. You can watch a video of her talk as well at search.withcanda.co.uk. You also have a full transcription up there in a few days. Here is Leda and enjoy. So very excited to be here today and I have to say that you undersell Norwich because the first thing that I told him when I met him earlier today for the for the podcast recording was like it's, it's beautiful you know it's, it's like a fairy tale type of town right I could have spent a whole day walking around taking photos it's, it's amazing so thank you very much for for having me so today SEO audits and I would like to have your feedback before starting myself, right? And can you please raise your hand and leave it raised if you have had any of these scenarios that I will share with you. You have invested weeks even developing the most complete SEO audit, analyzing everything from technical content, link, keyword research, tie it all together, ended up having like hundreds of pages that you deliver to your, cost, uh, to your client just for the client not implementing the SEO recommendations because they were not aware that some resources were needed somehow. Yeah, please, ra- leave, leave your, it will be quick, don't worry. Or the client never finished implementing the SEO recommendations somehow. They started, yeah, that, that, that was good, but they were never done after weeks, even months, right? Or the client started with the less important recommendation. I had a client sometimes say, like, I, I have done it. What? I changed the Fabicon. It's like, okay, thank you very much. Well, now it is somehow, somewhat a little bit more important with the latest Google update. Anyway, the issues were fixed based on what was recommended, but they were undone a few weeks after, right? You know, ongoing changes. Later release, yeah, these things happen. And as a result, you end up having a failed SEO process, right? Because yes, it's not that you don't grow, you grow, yeah? But your competitor is like this. Somehow they don't have these challenges. Somehow they, their pace is much faster than you, right? How many of you, in general, any of this? Those of you who have never had this scenarios, my God, please, I want to touch you. <laughs> Give me your luck somehow, you know, I don't know, I don't know. I am. Anyway, I have been there many times, right? And, and through the years, what I have found with this scenarios is that it has a lot to do with the way that we format, we communicate, with not only analyze, but the way that we organize and specify 
the actions and the insights that we discovered through our SEO analysis when we are doing the SEO audit uh, with the SEO recommendations and the document that we deliver to our client and how we, doc we, we, we share this document with our client, right? So we need to start thinking that the goal of the SEO audit is not to develop this, a document that we deliver, that we hand to our client, but the actual goal of the SEO audit is this one, the, the one that was actually described by this tweet from Brighton SEO last year that is my favorite ever tweet that I, you know, sometimes I just copy paste in my conversation with my clients, right? And I know that they hate me for it, but you know, it's like the goal of the SEO audit and the recommendations that you deliver as an outcome is not the document itself, but it's to be the driver of your SEO process, the driver of a bigger result, the one that your client has hired you to achieve, right? And the way, again, that you focus and format your SEO audit, I believe that plays a big part into helping you or not to get your recommendations done. And I'm on through the different challenges that I have found. I have documented a few that you can see here and again, you will see the slides afterwards. I, I want to share to, with you today a few ways to avoid this type of challenges. And to simplify it, I came up with this acronym. It's like SP2, right? SP2 because it's strategic, prioritized, solution focused, and proactive or preventive. By making your SEO audits and recommendations following these principles, I believe that you will be already halfway there, right? To minimize this type of challenges and issues. And so today I will go through how you can apply, how you can follow these principles through your SEO audits with some very actionable steps that you can, you should be able to, to, to use within your own work in order to facilitate and maximize the outcome that you end up having in your SEO process with your SEO audits, right? So, the first principle, context aware, in order to make it a strategic, right? Take into consideration the site business and technical characteristics and restrictions, as well as the type of SEO process. We cannot expect to try to cover every single scenario of, as a standardized type of, of SEO out there, right? Every single type of this different type of, not only projects, but also the business type, the website size, the SEO maturity of the SEO process plays, our, plays a role, right? The SEO audit that you end up having when you are doing an analysis for a recently launched medium-sized national news website is completely different than the one of a well-established multi-country international marketplace looking to recover after a Google update, right? It's not the same to do an audit or, or recommendations for an ongoing SEO process for a completely new website that has just been launched than to try to, rec to do an analysis focusing on our recovery, right? It's, we cannot expect to follow the same, the same steps and that these steps will be able to fulfill all of these different type of, of needs that these different situations will end up having, right? So it's important that we make our analysis strategical based on the understanding of the context of the project. And something important, again, this will depend on the type of project we see this. If it is a one 
a single one-time type of thing or if it is part of an ongoing larger process, right? Sometimes we, we have that push. I, I, sometimes I feel like that too, that we need to try to cover everything. You cannot leave anything out because otherwise maybe someone could internally, even in the company, may call you out saying, oh, why you don't include this here? Why it's like, it all depends on a couple of things, right? First, your understanding of the company restrictions, technical restriction, platform restriction, resources restrictions. If your client, when they, when they hire you, when you were doing the validation for a right fit of the process, when you were gathering the characteristics of, of the project, they already told you, look, I won't have the capacity somehow to touch the HG access in the next three months. Uh, so if you find something that requires to edit the HG access, it's not doable the first three months. So of course, if you find that you need to implement redirects at a massive scale for which you will need access to edit the, the HG access file, maybe it's not something that you want necessarily to prioritize or to send or to include right away, right? If you know if it is a part of a larger SEO process and that is something that you will mention but won't be top priority number one, you will mention but you won't push to, to, to be implemented right away. If you know that there is, there is a constraint going on already. The same with content. If your client tell me, look, I, I, I won't have uh, content resources right at the beginning but afterwards, is it really actually meaningful that you end up focusing and uh, doing a very in-depth content analysis right at the start when they are waiting for you to deliver some actionable steps to start improving the technical side of it. Not, it's not, isn't it? So it's important that we prioritize the type of tasks and, and, and actions that we deliver to the, to the client. Also taking into consideration this, I have been also in many situations where the SEO starts doing the analysis and it's like, it's autopilot mode, right? It's like there are doubts that is normal that arise during the analysis process, but, it's, but instead of asking to the client just to validate, just to, just to double check, just to not assume that uh, an implementation has been done in a certain way by mistake instead of because it is supposed to be a feature, they assume and they end up recommending something that is not really useful for the client or is obvious that they already knew about. So it's important that we have client feedback and validation, not only at the start and then at the beginning when you deliver, but also through the analysis, if you ever have or you ever end up having any type of, of doubt, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about the it depends, right? But I'm trying to come up with different scenarios to validate the it depends. So it's actually much more meaningful and, and, and what? Not only for the client, but also for you to get, a, to get ahead with what you actually need based on the context, right? Then it is important to be goal-oriented. Validate and show the issue's impact to decide revenue and results versus competitors. This is key to get buy-in, by to get support, especially of the, of, uh, of the C-suite. If you end up doing SEO processes with bigger organizations, this is critical to show the value of your work. 
to show the impact that it will have, especially if you, if you need to move a lot of internal resources. They are not very happy <laughs> with you to request changes, right, or, or, or change uh, from what they have done already. So this will allow you to better prioritize the recommendations too. So you can start and you can prioritize with those that will move the traffic needle right away. And on the other hand, to show the business impact of your work and to get earn internal support in a much more straightforward way, basis. I have to say that there are quite a few tools already that do a really good work integrating third-party data sources. So for example, uh, in this case, it's Ride that integrates uh, the Google Search Console and Google Analytics data. So for example, if I am analyzing a set of pages that have uh, content duplication issues or thin content issues, uh, by just clicking at some of this or any of this, it will show me what is the traffic, the current traffic that any of these pages have and the clicks and data from Google, that, uh, Google Search Console. So I can see if, the, if this page is already ranking for any keywords and which type of keywords, if these are keywords with high impressions. So I will be able to identify if it is worthy for me to canonicalize them to others or to self-canonicalize and differentiate and take, make better decisions based on the particular impact of that particular page. And then for me, I think it's, it's, it's a matter of showing what is the gap many occasions, what is the gap with your competitors and how your competitors are ranking you because your client are not implementing what you are recommending. It's sad, but many players out there, many businesses, they won't do anything unless they see their competitors doing what you're recommending in a much better way and you know, taking, out, taking to them a big chunk of the pie that should be for your for your client at the end of the day. So show how your top competitors are ranking you due to the identified issue or opportunity that you are recommending for. So for example, in this case, oh, your page is here, number 24, and take a look. It is because your competitor is actually, you know, attracting more links and you have zero here because you are not correctly linking to that particular page. Or take a look, oh, the, the, the number of words of the top ranked pages, they have at least a thousand words and you have <laughs> 200, right? So there is a very clear pattern for those pages that are outranking you. And it is about those recommendations that you provide that they are not implementing. Another very straightforward way to show this is what data, for example, for SEMrush. You can, you can show uh, how, how bad are your rankings versus your competitors and show how your competitors are targeting and ranking in the best possible positions with those pages that you still don't have or you are not optimizing at all and are targeting keywords with very high search volume. And you can show also how much the organic traffic that you will be able to attract with those pages that you are recommending to improve will cost otherwise if you wanted to do a little bit of PPC with them. That definitely shows the value of your work, right? So for example, you can do this in a very straightforward way saying, for example, take a look, this keyword here, um, that the first player here is using this particular URL to rank with is attracting 7K in traffic per month. And this is a traffic that will cost 5K to be attracted by PPC. And this data is already provided by SEMrush in a very straightforward way, right? And it is even easier if it is, for example, to validate 
something that used to work in the past. Because now, again, with SEMrush, Citrix, HRF, you can go back in time, even if your client itself doesn't have this data, and show the former pages or the previously attracted traffic or rankings from those pages and the impact that these pages used to have and now that they are not indexable, showing 404s, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you can use with historical data, even with external data sources. And if at some point also you want to show, and you should ideally, uh, try to show the impact from a conversion perspective, the actual money that your client is not being able to make with these pages, you can go and look if your client, if that website has all the categories that are very similar, all the sections that are very similar, and with which they are actually ranking well, attracting the expected traffic in a similar way that you wish that these other category or product pages were able to do, but you cannot push forward with the implementation without showing the potential impact, so you can compare and say, look, take a look at the data of area A. They are able to bring this search, additional organic search traffic, and this is the conversion on the goal value at the end of the month. And this is what we are getting with this other category or this other area that is very similar in nature, but take a look, it's, it's making one-fifth of it, right? So by doing this, you will be able to show in a much more straightforward way the money, <laughs> the money impact, the money, well, at the end of the day, unfortunately, this is what certain level of the organization will understand much more, right? Then to make it solution focused, describe the causes of the issues how they are found and the steps to solve this. This is the thing. A lot of audits are focused on being checklist, right? I check this, I check that, this is good, this is bad, this is like, no. It is important that you provide, again, context in order to facilitate to each issue to be solved internally, right? And it is important to show on one hand what causes the issues. It is, if it is a potential platform bug, if this, because these are rules that haven't been set, in the platform or a validation that is not being made, whether programmatically or even human validation by the editors, which are the affected URLs and how they are affected, and then how they are found internally. Is it by, internal, by, by, by some internal links that go towards them? Is it by a former page redirect how they are found through the XML time maps? Because based on this, you will be able to specify steps to do two things, to solve the, the actual costs of the issue on one hand, and then on the other to minimize that the, the Google bot and define it, this, this type of, of pages, right? So for that, what I have found that is very, very useful is, just, is that you segment as much as possible and integrate and show how uh, these pages relate to each other. So for example, I will detect how the identify issues and opportunities are generated and what they exist and which are the particular pages. So for example, when I, I tell to a client, look, you have, again, thin content issues or content duplication issues. And it's, of course, this, this is resource intensive. You cannot just recommend that all of these pages are differentiated. But do you identify that there is a specific area of the website that is suffering from this particular issue? So you show the comparison. Look, the specific pages from these particular areas, these are the pages that actually are suffering from these issues. And take a look. If I compare them with these others, it's, 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 it's not the same. The, the pages that are bringing much more of the value, the traffic, 
don't have this type of issue. So if we want to, for example, not index these other pages that are actually hurting the content quality of the overall website, we can do it without losing much because the active URLs from this set of pages is minimum and the, the visits volume is also minimum. So you can help the decision making process to happen in a much more straightforward way by also segmenting the, the data in this, in this way. And also you can, for example, provide additional information in, uh, right away with all of the, the, the URLs that you found. For example, in this particular case, again, for content issues, you can show the number of visits right away, if there are any internal links or not, if these are orphan URLs, if the user are actually getting there in some other ways, what is the role of these pages through the customer journey in a much more software way. And then, once that you show that, you should be able to, in a very graphic way, by step by step, to show what is happening right now, what is the problem, and how it can be easily be fixed, right? So this is the link that is going to this 404 right now in this, in this way, so, and this is what you should do to fix it, right? It should go instead to, the, to here, and you should redirect the former 404 to the actual 200K working page right now to solve also and to avoid it to be found. And again, if for some reason you perceive that there will be a little bit of a challenge for the client to implement the recommendation in a straightforward way, what I love to do here is to provide examples of how the competitors are already doing it in the way that you are already recommended, uh, recommending the client to do it so. So for example, in this case, oh, take a look. This is your page that is not self-canonicalized because the client believes that applying rules to um, no index all of the, the, the different two-level facets of, 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 of subcategories. It was the easier way to handle thin content issues, and it was true. <laughs> but in, at the same time, they left a lot of money on the table, a lot of opportunity, because they are not ranking well for this group of terms that have a non-trivial search volume, as you can see, and their top <coughs> competitors who have a particular page that is indexable and targeting this type of queries are getting away with it, and this page is self-canonicalized. And you are showing how they are doing it and all the value that they are bringing, and you are living out. Then, just to complement all of inf this information, to make it easier, especially for developers to understand which are the, what is the scope of the work, which are the patterns, which are the pages affected, you can, again, segment per type and attach all the data and Google Sheets in Excel, the ones that you have found in the crawl. So you can show, okay, these are the pages with this type of issues that are affected. Uh, they are uh, being linked from here. This is where they are canonicalizing, for example, if it, has, if it is a canonicalization issue, and they should be going instead here, right, in a very obvious way for each type of a scenario. Besides doing this, it's critical to be as resource specific as we can. And I understand that at the end of the day, you will need to validate this with the client once that you deliver the recommendations, but it's important to include at least the expected re resources based on the, your understanding of the, how the platform works, right? So by doing this, you'll be able to validate each recommendation by ability with the client stakeholders when the recommendations are delivered in a much more straightforward way, and you facilitate resource allocation planning since the start, from the start, right? 
So it's important that, that you can, as much as possible, do this fr right from the beginning. And of course, there are a lot of things to consider, and these are questions that you should actually ask right from the start. When you are starting the analysis, what's the platform used for the sites? Is there a CMS used? What configurations can be changed through the platform directly? And what needs development support? What's the flexibility of the configurations? What can be done in bulk or not? Or what needs to be done one by one? By one? Are there any type of restrictions, whether technical content business legal wise even, uh, that you should be taking into consideration in particular? Are there any technical content, PR resources in-house or through agencies that you also need to co into consideration for, co uh, for coordination uh, purposes? And this is the thing. When you develop the recommendations, you want to be solution-focused, solution so you want to specify why is this important? How does it affect the rankings? Which are the different scenarios that you have found of the issue? How they can be fixed? And what are the expected resources to fix it? To be able to consider the complexity, not only the impact in general, the ideal impact, expected one, but the complexity based on which are the resources that will be needed. It can be from PR, outreach, content development, uh, technical development too, and weigh them also on with all of the other recommendations that you are doing. At the end of the day, this is all relative, right? And you should, also this should be able to help you to prioritize, which we are going to see in a bit. Additionally, we all know when we are doing an SEO audit that there are certain aspects that are tend to be more complex, right? For example, the implementation of Lang annotations. But you also know that there are different ways to make them happen. There are different methodologies for their execution, right? So if you already know that it is common that there will be restrictions to make them happen and to implement them in the HTML head, you can already, maybe you don't need to explain each methodology, of course, and specify in the same granularity, but at least you can, after exp explaining the, the, that the ideal way is this one based on their particular context, that there are other alternatives that you may want to assess or together, right, in case that the first one, the ideal one, is not doable. Like this, there will be much more openness for discussions and, and, and conversations on which are the trade-offs what is needed, instead of, of, instead of the client really being completely close to not implementing something that right away they see is not doable for them, right? Prioritization, this is critical. Your recommendation should be prioritized to focus them based on their impact and goals and the difficulty to implement. And this is the thing, right? And again, this is this mentality that I also at some point I have. Uh, I don't want to leave anything out, but we must. Not only because we want to be able to deliver the recommendations right away so the, the execution starts as soon as possible, but also because there, is, there might be sometimes analysis, uh, uh, paralysis by, an, by analysis, uh, the client might be overwhelmed by seeing a huge document too. So what I do is to prioritize, especially for an ongoing process, that you know that there will be many iterations going on anyway. Uh, those actions that are high priority should be the ones with high impact and low difficulty. Then, if there are not enough of this, you can also include right away those 
with medium priority, high impact with medium difficulty, or medium impact with low difficulty. And the ones that I will leave out, at least from the first iteration, from the first recommendations, are the ones of low priority. Medium impact or, or medium uh, with medium difficulty, or high impact with, with high difficulty, that you know that there's no way that they will be doable at this point. And maybe it's not that you won't mention them at all. Maybe you want, these are all those, so you, the client knows, right? These are all the aspects that I left out because I, what you told me right at the beginning when we were talking about your resource con constraints, of, of your, your problems with the flexibility of the platform. So they know that these are out there and whenever it's possible and doable, you can bring them again on the table, right? So for the impact, you should take into consideration not only the SEO, overall SEO importance, but the actual importance within your specific context. The affected areas, the expected SEO effect in traffic and conversions, the business importance of these pages, the current optimization of these pages. From a difficulty perspective, the required resources, the known restrictions, the scope of the issues, and how many pages will be affected. And based on this, this is that you will be able to set uh, prioritized recommendations. So, for example, for each one of your recommendations like this, as granular as possible, I developed this table. What the specific action, the affected area, the SEO effect, the business importance, the current optimization. If I expect that they need content support, tech support, or lean building support, and then at the end, I add first the ideal priority and the ideal SEO iteration to include it. If I, inc I include the SEO iteration, if I already know that they have, for example, bi-weekly uh, launches, bi-weekly uh, sprints. So I already more or less know like, how fast they can be done ideally. For this ideal priority, I take into consideration first only the impact. This is my ideal work, as if all the resources were there, no restrictions at all. This is my ideal scenario if I really wanted just to push and to prioritize those actions with the highest impact, right? So I will keep only those, remember, with high immediate impact and because really, if, if it's not going to have a good impact or a high impact, I don't why I want to waste my time with that, right? At, at least at the beginning. Then after that, I will start taking into consideration the difficulty, the expected difficulty, the one that I know that might exist based on my understanding of the context of the business, of the website, the constraints, right? the limitation of resources. So I will have the expected implementation difficulty for each one of them, the expected priority after applying the difficulty. So maybe a very high impact action here uh, that has a medium type of difficulty because of the restrictions that exist in the company might move or might switch a bit in priority, right? After I develop this, is that I will be able to for ex share this with, with, the, with my client, right, with the expected priority. Once that I shared this with my client, I will have the final priority, the validated priority. And this is the thing, why I do, why I waste my, my time, right, doing this, the ideal one and the expected one. Because once that I validate the prioritization with the client and my client tells, look, Aleda, this what you expected to be low difficulty, it's not like that, because this and this and this and this change, and it's high difficulty. So please 
This won't be doable in the first six months. Okay, I will eliminate, that is okay, but after we go through the process with the client, validating the actual priority based on the difficulty, we will be able to tell, you know what? Take a look at the gap. Don't ask me then why the results that are achieved are not the expected ones. <laughs> if half of my recommendations that were high priority are not imp implemented anymore, only one from 10 are actually doable, the ones of high impact at the start. <laughs> Don't ask me in six months why we are, are we not achieving the results, right? Those that we will allow us to advance. So this is critical to show what will have been ideally done, only taking into consideration the impact of the recommendations and what is actually end up being doable because of all of the restrictions that you have gone through with the client. Cons consist, this is important. For fast development and delivery and an easy to understand document, this is very straightforward. This is actually much more easier than expected. Remember that I shared with you before how each, for each one of your recommendations you should, you should explain why it was important, how it does affect the rankings, the scenarios, the resources expected. And remember also the little matrix, the little table, specifying each one of them as columns. Bring them here at the start of each recommendation so they serve as a summary. And remember the tables here? At some point, when you deliver the, doc the, doc the document too, you should add an extra column here that will serve as the index to specify the page where each one of these recommendations can be found in the document. So it's a win-win. This document will serve also to navigate the recommendations. So each one of the recommendations should be able to tell in a very straightforward way for anybody who's not even involved in the process, the importance of, of, of that recommendation, the impact on the results, how is it found and generated, the actions to fix it, which scenarios are found in the website, the expected resources and the priority in the, in the project right away. And then what you will be doing with it is to actually organize the order of your document with it. Why you want to start your 50 pages or 20 pages, it doesn't matter even, document with the less important, the least important recommendation. No, isn't it? Start with the highest priority one. I know that in our minds we need to have like a very specific standardized type of, of order and it shouldn't be like this. Start with the one that have the highest impact that you want the client to implement faster. And then it's important that you can switch, you may switch based on validation that you do with the client afterwards. I was talking before in the conversation that we had in this afternoon, right? If it was actually the best to deliver a single document that even if you apply all of these principles will end up easily being a 50 pages sometime to every single member, all of the stakeholders, and it doesn't necessarily, right? You may want to split the document based on the team members, based on the actual role that they will have with the document uh, and the area that they will be implementing. For example, the, de the development team, maybe you want to split and just send them the specific technical implementation, the content development team, only the content related uh, recommendations. That doesn't mean that you want to have a full document together that you can revise with the stakeholders and the decision makers that will actually support 
um, or the project manager of, of the process too, right? So this is what I mentioned before. A page, you can use the same matrix as, as an index of your document, right? And this is amazing because this same matrix, take a look, will summarize everything of your recommendations. Not only the what, the where, the why, the how, and this same table, you can use it to coordinate your project management afterwards because you can specify the who, the person in charge of each task, the implementation date or the date that you expect each recommendation to be tested, and the launch date too. This is great because you will be able to track everything in a single place that can be tied, again, with your recommendations document in a very straightforward way. So if anybody at some point has any doubt or how to actually implement this, they can go in a very straightforward way there. And last but not least, the recommendations should be preventive and proactive too a little bit, right? Establishing mechanism to avoid the identify issues to happen in the future, right? With not only in an automated way, I'm going to show you a few tools that can be used, but also this is achievable with evangelization, with education, with all of the team members that are involved in the process, right? So you can, you may want to start, and you saw how the recommendations document also explain the importance of each one of the SEO recommendations. I will say for those aspects that cannot be programmatically integrated within the platform and automatically validated, you create checklists, you create best practices, you create a wiki, a manual that you can share, that you can, you can, you can even, even do a webinar and record the webinar and create a library. So any new copywriter that enters to the company needs to watch that SEO for copywriting webinar that you did. And in the webinar, you can go through all of the checklists that the copywriter needs to check, need to validate before publishing any new content. Besides the automatic uh, type of validations are done within the, the, the platform. And then of course, there are rules that you can set within the platform along your development team to validate that some of the issues, for example, team content issues, like erroneous canonicalization, for example, they don't happen again, and they take into consideration also additional potential opportunities uh, when the rules are applied. So for example, for the different scenarios of pages with team content, it's not only to, by default, right, if it is a second level category or a second level facet uh, to canonicalize to the parent category, no. You need to validate that. You, you may want to integrate with APIs of keyword tools and validate if this has, has more than n amount of traffic already the page. If it targets query with more than n amount of volume or it has more than n amount of products. So it is worthy for you to actually differentiate and put effort there to optimize this page to target meaningful traffic. And this is all. Like, Whenever you start working with the development team, it's not only to send the recommendations, give best practices, and that's it. You need to ideally be able to work together and validate together and set a workflow. And you should be able to be flexible here to work with them within their own workflow, right? So they don't see you as an obstacle or this extra issue that they need to, to fix every single time. But you are there and you facilitate this, this already existing workflow that they have. So if they launch every Thursday, for example, you know that every Tuesday you should be able to validate 
before the launch. And after that, you should be doing a post-launch validation. And after that, you can set systems to identify them automatically. So a lot of SEO crawlers nowadays allow you to schedule ongoing crawls. So every week, you, you agree and you talk like, I will set this crawl every week. So every Friday, so you can expect any additional issues on Monday, for example. Or you can use tools like Content King or Little Warden that will be doing or identifying real time and real time any type of issues. And it will send you real time alerts. If, for example, any specific page with X type of, of criteria that you have set of this particular type of page, of this, this particular area, changes the canonicalization or the extra flag annotations are missed or the title tags are changed, you are alerted and you get an alert in a burst of one way. I love this tool because they actually also allows you to integrate with, again, Google Analytics, Google Search Console data, and you say, okay, you send me the alert if it is a page that has more than five visits, 10 visits, 100 business, so you know that is something that is actually worthy, and you can integrate with your project management system in a very four way, set additional alerts, so you can even send this with tools like Integromat to your project management system, pinging someone in particular within your team. So realistically, it shouldn't be that much work, but if you still think that it's a lot of work, unfortunately, some people do, might do, don't worry, I have created this resources for you so you can go and check out all of what I have explained before and given here examples for you just to fill with the criteria that I have mentioned previously. And also I have shared a few of the tools that I use to validate every single area too if you're open to check out even more tools than the ones that you, you already have to. So just to finish, let's think about this, right? And uh, Chris Green, who's also British SEO here, he did this uh, series of tweets sharing a little bit of his experience when sending and sharing recommendations for one of their clients. And, and he shared like, yes, after they changed the way, the format that they had with their own recommendations, right, and illuminated those that were not priority, he understood that the client was overwhelmed at the beginning. They didn't, they didn't know where to start, right? So it's critical, it's important that we apply certain project management and communication and coordination, soft skills that sometimes unfortunately are overlooked in SEO to make things happen, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not to deliver a document, but to achieve this, the actual final goal, to achieve the expected growth, the actual expected outcome from our work. It's not really that complex. So I, you here have all of the specific actions that I described before summarized in a very straightforward way to follow. And with this, I finished, I don't know if I have, hopefully, I see you standing here since 10 minutes yeah. ago or so. 20 minutes. Sorry. <laughs> so hopefully this will be much more doable like this. Thank you very much. I really hope you enjoyed that. As I said before the talk, you can get the video, slides, and transcription of Leda's talk at search.withcanda.com.
www.thepodcast.co.uk. Please join us next week. We'll be back on Monday, the 10th of February, where we'll be going through some of the changes Google's brought about with Google Search Console, and Rob will be joining us to talk about some other changes with Google Ads. Have a great week. <laughs>